0: Welcome back to Pod, Phil, how are you
1: doing? I'm uh, very well, thank you. Yourself?
0: Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, glad that it's nearly the end of lockdown 2.8. Um, get out and about again soon. Well, we can't because we're tier three.
1: As much as we can in tier three, yeah.
0: Yeah, so lockdown to lockdown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've a got... Name, uh, baby. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, this, this week's pod... It's a long one, so we're going to try and be as short as possible, which will please our listeners, one imagines. Um, but we'll, move on, to, yeah, we'll move on to Bob Cena in a minute. Uh, shall we? We've actually had some unpopular opinions from some listeners.
1: Some unpopular people.
0: Very unpopular people, actually. Uh, one of them isn't John T, which is a shock. We are watching back the editing. Um, do you remember getting told off by, by Bob for? Yeah. See, where did that come from?
1: I should protect him, Yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
0: Anyway, let's crack on. Um, what's your unpopular opinion this week?
1: My unpopular opinion to you, which is easy to say, <laughs> um, the introduction of referees to the game was a was a mistake, uh, and they should be removed.
0: Got to agree with that. I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're boring. They, they take a lot of the fun out of it. Um, I've had, I mean, you've probably had a, a far better standard of referee than I have. We've had a, a certain counsellor um, be our referee, which was uh, an interesting experience, packing down at the scrum and him going, crouch, touch, set, touch, engage. And we're like, boydy, that's not <laughs> do it. Um, so if anything, they're a hindrance. To the, to the game and as you know uh, we're not always the brightest in the pack so I mean it's it's I just always think they're kind of they wish they were good at rugby um they're extremely nausy just by nature and they're just yeah just not needed don't need them there I think I think we're honest enough as players to ref ourselves
1: I mean I agree with most of that statement
0: yeah I would like um... to think <laughs>
1: <laughs> two two aspects of your argument there which I think might slightly fall down are are the last sentence. Yep. Um, <laughs> and also well actually no, it is a fair comment. There's only one referee I can think of that was good at rugby themselves. And that's is it is it was it wasn't Reese Jackson. Uh, he used to split for Saris the, Yeah. Well, didn't he, and then turned... Yeah he retired quite early. Mm. Played against him. Um, retired quite early um, and went into refereeing and obviously because he was a big man on campus they uh, boosted him up the ranks quite quickly didn't they? That's right
0: yeah and he refs at top levels now Did he? he's done a few um, finals and stuff hasn't he I think or seven Yeah
1: I think he did some international games as well
0: mm. at one point yeah. No good referee though um, I, I mean as much as I don't like them I like when I speak to football it's like our rugby's crap I do use the referees as an example of why rugby is far better than football, because I do like the respect we give. And I find myself playing football and still calling the referee, sir, just out of
1: oh, hand. Same. same. Lovely. And they, they go, Oh, you're nice. And I'm blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> no But exactly the same. I don't get that. I don't get that in football. No. A referee has never changed their mind, like football, rugby, volleyball, whatever. Obviously, they're an umpire in volleyball. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I don't get the argument with the referee. I've never, I've never understood it.
0: No, no. And it's, it's one of my pet peeves in rugby games is when someone answers back, be that on the opposition or, or on the same team as me. But it's like, I've never got the surrounding of the referee shouting in his face. I think everything going through the captain or even through the pack leader is fine. I think it works. It just saves a lot of hassle. Because I mean, football referees as well. There, I mean, they're a different breed completely. There's a. Uh, I was watching some. It was some like short <laughs> montage on Facebook, and there's a just quickly a video of a referee who um, was accidentally pushed in the back by a player, went to ground, and then kicked out at the player, <laughs> 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 and gave the player a red card. <laughs> great, it was great. But yeah, so as much as uh, I agree with, I think George sent that in. Um, they have been a slight hindrance but also a good standpoint to show why we are the gentlemen of sports um, unpopular opinion from uh, me it came from uh, Jim Reeson uh, often mentioned on the podcast um, this is technical which is why we decided to me ask you versa. I can
1: get full nose on it
0: yeah, okay, full nose um, the number of jackal penalties is killing the game
1: now I I don't know whether this is an unpopular opinion. I think it's quite a quite a good opinion. Um, yeah, I think the uh, jackling is, a, is an art form to do it legally and well and often is a real art form and I think um, one of the worst one of the worst phases that rugby's been in especially at the international level and probably the premiership level as well where players are 95% of the time illegal when making a turnover. Um, I think the referees are doing quite well at clearing away the tackler and penalising that, but in terms of the actual jackal, people are getting away with absolute horrendous technique um, and cheating like buggery with no release, no clear release <coughs> and elbows, head, knees on the floor. I think there was a turnover last week in one of the games, got, it was the Scotland game, when the guy was on his knees like, yeah. bent over the player yeah. and got a turnover. Yeah. And I was screaming at the TV with a baby in my arms, <laughs> like, livid at it. Because if I did that on a Saturday at the burnt Stump, I'm getting pinged left, right and centre, and this guy's got 40 cameras on him, and he's still got away with it. It's a disgrace. Say,
0: this, is, this is what I don't get. How come that it's got to be more of a clear release a <laughs> 13 game, for example, against Melbourne,
1: than it does between two international giants. Um, it's, it's 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 That's the worst part of the game at the moment. So it's, it's, it's nice that Jim brought that up because that was going to be something i probably have a whinge at some point given the opportunity, but yeah, yeah, it's killing me at the moment that is. Yeah,
0: definitely. I saw an interest in... I can't remember who was talking about it, but they were talking about the clear-out rules are now actually more dangerous because... It was better when you could just kind of walk over people and they'd get out your way for you because you tweak them, as opposed to nearly doing someone's necking with a shoulder. Um, that's a that's a different opinion for a different day. Um, so Bob Senior,
1: yes, Fast. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, yeah. We know we've been begging him to come on since about week three. Yeah, um, he decided that he he, he would come on. Um, obviously, most people know that Bob is. Uh, about to depart from Nottinghamshire in the next few months, weeks. Um, he'll be sorely missed and, and getting him on here was something me and you were desperate to do before he got away. So, yeah, real happy to have him on and, and it was nice chatting away to him even though he did tell me off for being nasty to T. He
0: did. He told you off and then bigged me up quite a lot um, which both bits are staying in the podcast. <laughs> so, no, but it was, it was nice to have him on and... Whenever, although we wanted to have him on, and when we asked lads who they wanted on, Bob Senior was the first name out of everyone's mouth as well on a number of occasions. So yeah, so it was good. We'll crack on, like we said, it's a long one. There's not much we can cut out of it. So uh, it's not as long as Nathan's, so it's not too bad. And Thank you for definitely that. Definitely not as naughty. Um, yeah, we'll get back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no, I can we'll, repeat that one. <laughs> <laughs> we can repeat that one. Uh, does it
0: say recording, Phil? Yeah. Cool. So here we are with Bob. Um, Bob, just gonna give a little intro, nice wave there. Just gonna give you a little intro before uh, before we speak to you. But just because you're such a, 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 an important person uh, at behaviours, you've been described by many as a classy scrum half who played throughout the sides. Uh, really? Yeah, it shocked me. Wow. I didn't describe you. Yeah. At that. Um, you, you had a successful coaching career, coaching from the minis, all the way up to the Colts, and uh, obviously in the last few years you've been chair and president of the club. Um, you've been described as being the, uh, the welcoming face of the club or one of the welcoming faces of the club, introducing lots of people to rugby and to Paviors. but tell everyone, what's your name and where do
2: you come from? <laughs> oh, Bob Ratcliffe and I come from Farnsfield.
0: Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Bob, how did you get first involved with, uh, with Pavia's?
2: Well, to be honest, it's, I think it's a fine line how a lot of people come to Pavia's and um, mine certainly was. I, when I was at Centre Parks, which is why I moved up here, uh, when it first opened, one of my responsibilities was taking around the Environmental Health Officer. We were quite a high risk place because of the number of people we had, and because there was, um, yeah, it was a new concept. Um, and for the best part of two years, um, I took this very professional guy around the, all the catering departments, um, and he was brilliant. He'd tell you what you needed to do before he came next, what would be nice to do, and what you could leave for a while. And um, anyway, this went on for two years, and it came to the point where I was uh, leaving Centre Parks and he was retiring. And for the first time ever, we talked about something other than work, and we got onto Mm -hmm. rugby. And um, I said I was looking forward to having some Saturdays free to go back to playing rugby, which I hadn't really played for 10 years. Well, nine years. And he said, who are you going to play for? And I said, oh, I live near Southwell, or I might go to that place, um, begins with M, up on the top, um, Nelly Nelly something or other. And he went, you will not. (laughs) And it was was Joe Cast, who's... um, Happened to be, you know, then, I didn't know. We'd never mentioned it before, but vice president um, at Pavia's and uh, still goes up to the club, and I'll be forever grateful for him to him for introducing me. Uh, he said, me- meet me there next Thursday, and I did, and I met people like Ron Rosin and probably um, probably Pat, I would think, that Thursday night, and Phil and Chris, um, you know, and Phil Molyneux, I mean, and Chris Eggleshaw, and, you know, from that time, I, I never went anywhere else. Brilliant.
0: If you, if you don't mind me asking, how old were
2: you when you first came up to the club? Um, let's go, what time I got married at? Uh, it, it was about 1988, 89 season, I think, 88, 89. So how many years ago is that? Uh, 30, 31, because I am 30, born in 89. 31. 31, so I was 27, 28, I'm 58 now, yeah, I'm 58 now, so, yeah. And it
0: is, it is a shot. I mean, one of the questions we got in is how do you stay so handsome, and knowing your age now, I've got to agree with uh, with Jim Reason.
2: Yeah, marry a good woman, marry a good woman.
0: <laughs> a good woman who has a good yeah. skin routine, which you can copy. That's exactly right. That's All exactly right.
2: All the best (laughs) moisturisers and your wigs yeah Yeah. keep keep changing the wig (laughs) um
0: so obviously you came up to the club you played what was it about Pavias which kind
2: of got you hooked and kept you here or well i was i was pretty desperate to play rugby again i hadn't really played regularly since i was 18 and went into the hotel industry and was working Saturdays all the time. So I, I managed to go back to my old club in Newmarket a few times over the next seven or eight years. And then moving up here as a so I, said, I um, used to turn out for Olerton seconds if I had a free Saturday, because um, you could just turn up in the pub and get a game. Um, but to be honest, when I got to Fabius, there was no reason to go anywhere else. It was, um, it felt like home. Uh, a lot of friendly faces as there always has been. and. Um, you know, at the time, um, did we have any children? Let me think. 89, we had, yeah, Simon, who's the same Simon, age yeah. as Phil. And uh, Simon, Phil, and another guy, when they were of nappy age, used to run around the clubhouse in their nappies together. Uh, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it was a lovely place to, to come to. And obviously the setting helps, doesn't it? The location.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, for those who don't know, we are very lucky and very blessed with the setting that we have up at the club um we we reached out to a few people just before we move on to stories just because i think you've mentioned him already pat um because obviously for those for those who don't know do you know just tell people what's going to be happening
2: what you're going to be doing in the next kind of month or two yeah we are for for private reasons which i won't really go into but we're moving down to pembrokeshire um with my mother-in-law uh taking her down there and we're gonna live down there so it's a bit of a, a big change at, at 58 um, you know at our age but, um, but we think it's the right thing to do we're keeping our house here um, so you know we will be back but um
1: house wise yeah. sweet. sweet
2: yeah <laughs> well, look after to the case. keys yeah no change there um, <laughs> but yeah it, feel, it feels like the right thing to do so um yeah we'll we'll see how we get on
0: yeah yeah um and obviously because you're you're, you're moving away temporarily, um, we hope, or or between the two, we've reached out to, to a fair few people at the club just to, just to ask for a few words about you. Uh, what I didn't realise at the club was there's a lot of people we ask for a few words and get a lot of words back from. They're um, mostly four letters, are they? Or? No, no, all <laughs> of them very complimentary, actually. Oh, blinding. Surprise me. Um, But one of the people we reached out out to was, uh, was Pat Billum or for people who know Pat probably, Guru. Um, He said, when we asked for a few words about yourself, he said, Bob Ratcliffe, well, what can I say? When, when people are listening in brackets sometimes and enjoying Bob's open the box, they probably don't realise Bob's huge and positive contribution to Pavia's over the years. I've known Bob as a player, a classy off we've covered that, he's another one. that He'll, say, any, he'll say anything. Know, hey. How much did you pay him? I must, uh, I must owe him a drink or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a coach starting in the minis all the way through to the, the proficient manager of the, the Colts team, junior chairman along the way, in the last few years as a chair and a president of the club. And as you might have guessed, there's been some great times along the way. Um, how, when you turned up to Pavs, did you ever think this is a place that I'm going to end up having a lot of set, well, a lot to do with? And did you think that you would ever become president and chair of, of Pavia's or?
2: No, I mean, initially, obviously, you, you come to a club to play. Um, i missed most of my 20s, so my aspirations were not that high to, on the playing side. Um, I didn't think, you know, at the time it tended to be, I, I was regular third team and we tended to go away with the first team to, so it'd be first and third to play away, seconds and fourths at home or vice versa. And um, I never I never thought I'd ever aspire to get to first and I never did. But um, I did manage to, after a hard pre-season one time, I did manage to get to the seconds. I think on the third game in the seconds, I had a double fracture in my ankle um and uh that was that <laughs> so and then and then of course from there on it was just the horns and the fourths so <laughs> a
0: short um a short second team career um all the best of us have had that day bob don't worry about it yeah yeah so, <laughs> um over these years have you been at the club how has it changed it must have changed in in time over time
2: yeah, I mean, structurally, I mean, the, the, the work that a small group and it is a small group of people have done to the, the, the physical structure of the club is is fantastic. Obviously, Graham, you know, the work that he does you know, relentlessly to improve the facilities that we have, um, you know, that's that's been incredible. And when I hear stories about what it was like before I got there as well, um, you know, I haven't had a, a major impact on any of that, to be honest. Um, but uh, I think out on the pitches on a Saturday and Sunday, you know, we really saw after the, the six guys who got the minis and juniors going, um, we really saw a massive development and it really became the, I shouldn't say this, but probably the strength of the club for a number of years um, was what we were doing in minis and juniors. Um, you know, it certainly um, had the mass membership there, which it still does, but... Um, you know, at one time, I remember the numbers were just incredible. Um, and, yeah, I think that's the biggest change is how it's gone from... We were never really that sort of macho clubhouse, you know, where it was all men and everything. It was always a good mix of young and old and male and female. But well, I think when we had of-
1: the, the hockey club, that was kind of...
2: Yeah, of course, yeah.
1: You you know, you, you, the, the women's hockey would be on earlier on a Saturday because they didn't have... We were, well, none of us had footlights back then, but they seemed to start from sort of eleven a.m. through till three, yeah. four, and then the rugby would kick off, and then they would just be in the clubhouse, sort of inebriated by the time the rugby had finished, and
2: yeah,
1: it was all—it was very busy. I just remember that as a kid.
2: Yeah, it, that to be honest, that was really, it was a bit like the club I played for when I was a kid, um, from sort of fifteen to eighteen. In Newmarket, it was very similar. We had a ladies' hockey team as well, and we had a tiny clubhouse. So, you know, that was a great atmosphere, and and, and it was very similar when I came to Pavia's. But, um, but you know, the development in what we are on a Saturday and Sunday is, is incredible. You know, it's so much more family-orientated. Um, and as I say, we weren't that male-dominated place, I don't think, even when I joined. But it, it's it's a brilliant atmosphere up there on Saturday and Sunday. Couldn't agree more i mean when it's
0: when there's people around and there's families the kids are running around obviously you're on the microphone it's one of the best places to be on a saturday by a by a long way um phil you also reached out to some of our playing colleagues um to talk about bob would you like to pass on the messages from from our, our
1: colleagues to bob yeah so i'll let you guess who said this one bob mm-hmm. um basically. I was going to slag him off there, but I'll wait to the end. Um, It's a tough... It's tough to pick out, to be honest. He's just Mr. Pavia's. He's coached me since I was five, so he will have some stories about our minis tours, I'm sure. Tash's dad, Rod, on his first visit to Pavs, instantly loved our club just because Bob welcomed him, shook his hand and started talking to him. He now has Pavs hat and scarf and follows our Twitter's pages. But along with Jim Dickinson, he was part of such a good coaching team. And stories about people like Reese Ferris and Big Bob will be funny.
2: Yeah, well, that's obviously John T. It could have been Bobby at the beginning as well, because they they both started at sort of four and a half, five. Um, But yeah, John T. I remember, uh, yeah, lots of memories about John T. when he was a little lad. He did learn to tie shoelaces when he was about 13. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, <all right. laughs> John T.
0: I was going to say I'm proud of John T Well
2: I don't know he could have you know, without wishing to upset him or David too much but David used to tie his boots up and I'm sure he was still into the juniors when David was still tying his boots up was,
1: <laughs> was David still passing for them as well? They. Or was David doing David all his is- passing and stuff then as well, or
2: no, no. I don't think David his dad I mean, you know, he's never he's never played, so I don't think. Anyway. Has
1: David never played?
2: I don't know. What he might have done when he was. He might have done as a lad, but I don't think he ever did as an adult. But oh, he probably corrected
1: down that. as the right mousy little scrum half.
2: No, I don't think so. Um, I think he, he left that to Jonty.
1: Well, <laughs> scrum a stretch. Um, the second one. <laughs> oh, oh! There's a question that—that's that...
2: not. I don't like that, by the way. <laughs> I don't like that because you know he—he—he he, he is. A, I've always loved him as a scrum half because he's um, unpredictable sometimes, and I, and I like that in a scrum half.
1: Yeah. I think you were looking for the word "uncoachable," Bob. Is what
2: you're
1: No, I—I—I <laughs> <No. laughs> no, I, I slag him off just because it's the dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one from a uh, uh, Mr. Collingham, who I know you're, you're quite... Which one? ...bond up and close with. Which one? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: Ollie.
1: Oh, OK. <laughs> um, oh, there's, there's three? Well, yeah, there is three. No, I'll give you that, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a true club man and a great family man with exquisite taste in cognac. Something we'll miss when he ventures to pastures new. Oh, there he is.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he it's got the poster.
1: That's coming out on a minute. <laughs> and then Ollie, Ollie goes on to say, every now and again I watch his final couple of minute couple of minutes videoing our promotion game. As his commentary, love the game, the club, and especially his reaction upon realizing we'd done it, epitomizes what our club is about. Now, do you wanna do you wanna give a little bit of a background? Now it's been mentioned a few times on the podcast. Do you want to yeah. give a bit of background on what happened? those last five minutes of of the playoff
2: game yeah well obviously of an age where I'm not overly technical but um, I got to the stage where I was doing the Twitter feed because people like um, uh, well we've got a couple of people in Australia and Dubai and places who wanted to see a live feed of the final so I thought well I can do that can't I know how to run that you know so um started, started the video and uh, it ate the battery, you know, as, as, as it would. So, but I brought one of these mobile chargers as well. But it wiped that out with, you know, by the end of the first half, I think. And so I ran off to the uh, car. So I filmed most of the second half with the engine running at the far end of the pitch with basically videoing it through the windscreen. Um, so it wasn't particularly good. And then I just about had enough charging to stand by the side of the pitch for the last few minutes. And when the final whistle went, um, I forgot to turn the video off. And I just ran down, sort of jumping up and down and swearing, doing the, who's that football manager who went down, all that. uh, Ah. um, Yeah, so did all that and then realised when I got down to where all the players were that um, I still had the phone on. So yeah, but what what an occasion. What an occasion.
1: And and was your um some of the I think the wording that came out of your mouth was I can't believe they've done it. They've bloody done it. Or something along those lines. Something along those lines, yeah. Was it was it the fact that you didn't expect us to do it or were you just elated and surprised?
2: <laughs> well <laughs> um I thought we did more than enough early in the game, and then later on in the game, um, well, they never looked particularly better than us. They had moments, particularly with that centre. Every time he got the ball, you know, he later on, as we tired a little bit, he he just seemed to be finding gaps, and um, I think they scored one, didn't they? And and you you, you know, it's just the sort of oh no, it's going to go down to the last, you know minute of the game but as you said I think last week or the week before um you know you know you knew it was the last play whereas I didn't <laughs> so you know I was expect, I was thinking oh no we've got another two minutes of this or three minutes um and I couldn't you know obviously not I could have done anything about it even if I've been a player but um you know on the touchline, there was nothing you could do so uh, I don't know I think um I think early on, it was never in doubt that we'd win it, you know, watching us play. But um, as the game went on, you could just, having been up on the touchline and the balcony for many years, you know, you've seen us lose, lose a few from a very commanding position. So um, as most clubs, have, you know, most sides have done, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken about this many a times. It was uh, a strange one. I, I, I felt comfortable knowing that it was the last play and we we we, you know we defended I think we defended for like four minutes flat I think they had the ball for at the end or something ridiculous knowing that you know if we defended for two minutes the game was over but we were so relentless in trying to make sure they didn't score that we just got to the point where we're all just so tired and I think someone fell off a tackle and um, that lad the 12 ran through
2: yeah
1: and I remember thinking well, that felt like a long time. I hope that was more than two minutes. And I looked to the ref. and he, he just looked at me as if to say, yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Because I'd worked really hard in that four minutes to try and stop the from school. And I don't yeah. think I'd <laughs> had it in me to start yeah. again.
0: <laughs> I remember being on this. And I mean, I was one of those. I got there early because we had a marquee up didn't we and stuff and I was there. And I remember i drank drunk a few. I remember watching and thinking, Phil's moving a lot around the park at the minute, so I'm open
2: <laughs> for it. I'm not sure he can go any longer. <laughs> By the way, Chaps, think- you, sorry, you do realize that there's going to be other podcasts, and there's going to be a podcast that says, When will Pabiers ever stop bloody talking about winning that final? <laughs> is that That's the same play-off.
0: podcast that is going to ask, When is Phil going to stop talking
2: about Nottingham? <laughs> There's a bit there's a hint of jealousy in there though, I think, Tom.
1: Yeah, well it doesn't hurt me, Bob. Doesn't hurt me.
0: No. I played for Gillingham once, <laughs> Gillingham and yeah. but Gillingham nonetheless. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, would you like to get your package out for Bob?
1: Lex. Bob, I think you know the drill. Yep. Um, so just give us your answers as quick as you can. Faster yep. than Dougie is what we're looking for.
2: Yep.
1: Uh, so it's red or green? Green. Favourite beverage?
2: Timothy Taylor, landlord at the moment.
1: <laughs> Favourite rugby position? Scroll half. Best player you have played against or with?
2: Oh, that's difficult because I never hit a particular standard, but um, I think I had the blessing of playing with um, Phil Molyneux once or twice, and even in his, in his older days, he was, he was quite something. And, yep. um, yeah, yeah, a few of the old boys, when I sort of joined, they were coming to the end of their playing career, some of them. So, yeah, they would be those guys. Um,
1: Hugh, Bobby or Simon?
2: Oh, no.
0: <laughs> that means that's not. A, I love them all equally. That's a. That's no,
2: a, I'm not
1: saying that. I'm just not saying <laughs> it. No. Simon is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nickname the wife calls you. Uh,
2: not got one. Really?
1: Oh. 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 No. She doesn't call you El Presidente.
2: No. <laughs> That would have been nice, but that would have been nice, but no, no, never got to that.
1: Favourite opposition?
2: Um I think probably Mansfield, strangely enough.
1: That's fair I've enough.
2: Always, I've always enjoyed the setup and the company at Mansfield, you know, both on and off the pitch.
1: Hmm. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and John T or Jim?
2: Um, Got to be John T. I've known him for a very long time. No offense, Jim.
1: Yeah, we've we already we've already heard your bias to John T today.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. going to say it's very it's it's very nice to have a fan of John T on because he doesn't. Have...
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to balance. I need
0: to balance the scale a bit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have many fans, let alone any we invite invite on. <laughs> so. Uh, One of the the questions that we we got through today was about, I think it might have been from John T himself actually, um, was about your most memorable mini tour. So which is your most memorable minis tour?
2: Um, We did a good one to Kings Lynn and Great Yarmouth. Um, So that's the 10s, 11s and 12s tour, which I still think is one of the best things that we do as as a mini junior club. Is this 10s, 11s and 12s? Because you see the kids develop over three tours in their confidence and everything. Um, yeah, that, that was really good because the weather was foul and um, I'm trying to think what the theme was. And I know I went for a cup of coffee off the beach. I left the kids training with Jim and a couple of other blokes and I walked off. I think it was, was it Robin Hood? I know I had tights on. Um, uh, looking looking for a coffee and end up walking into this uh, cafe sort of on the... From somewhere um, in in I think it was a Robin Hood outfit I can't remember but yeah that was a really good tour we used to play West Norfolk quite regularly um, just on the edge of Kings Lynn because my wife's cousin was a coach there um, so we had a good link and that went through into juniors and actually Bobby ended up playing through because of an injury for their club ended up playing in the Gullivers tournament in Nottingham for them and then down at Twickenham. Um, so uh, yeah when they were well they were minis uh, yeah they were still minis probably under 11s under 12 something like that so yeah that was that was a good tour though that was a good tour but they, they've always been good sometimes uh, um you don't get much sleep but um mrs collingham sally collingham used to make lovely pies pork pies and um i rather cheekily asked her if she could do some pork pies for the coaches Uh, for the youth hostel and she did those and it was yeah she did that for those that tour so yeah really good they were good times but you didn't sleep much as a coach (laughs) um something else that we got
0: through was obviously you're you're a sucker for organizing an event and you're very good at it um one of them being the the club disco you were used to used to organize and uh, so the question was best memory of your club disco and your best fancy dress?
2: God like club disco? Well, I'm not sure. Did we ever have club discos, sort of party nights? But um, yeah, I'm not sure there were ever discos. I mean, there was all sorts of things. and I I was only one of many people who used to organize them. Um, there was a, you know, a big band who, who used to organize all sorts of things from um, burned nights, Caribbean nights, um, I remember me, Mark Britton, and uh, Rob Pickersgill. We had a little group, and I think probably, I think probably the Calypso night might have been the one because we had, um, I think we had the Limbo, and we had, I, I can't remember whether we had Sand in the Clubhouse or whatever, but we had an Irish night, and they always involved having a promotion because I was in the drinks business, so I'd managed to get sort of like Malibu for the Caribbean night or Jameson's for the Irish Paddy's night. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all quite good. Um, but the best outfit, I think the best night I had up there was my 40th. Um, we had my 40th birthday party up there and it was fancy dress and anybody could come from any, uh, any famous person for the last, from the last 40 years. I think we had uh, three Fred Flintstones, um, which was quite, quite strange and then uh, duplications of various other people. Um, but yeah, I think that I'd put it down as that. That was really good because there was obviously a lot of rugby people there, but a number of other people who were friends from the village who'd never been to avias before. So that's always a good thing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: Everyone uh, everyone loves
0: fancy dress, especially if there's some uh, some beers involved.
2: Um, yeah, I was, well, I was dressed as um, Magnum PI, but I looked more like... Can you remember the Liverpudlians who used to go, Calm down, calm down. <laughs> I, that. I had this stupid tash on and this curly, curly black wig. And I was so, supposed to be magnum PI. Yeah. So, I sadly, I can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, I just changed my character mid mid-evening.
0: <laughs> uh something else that you've uh, you organised at the club, and, and you, knowing you, you'll probably stay with other people, um, but it's, it's fundraisers, and obviously there's a lot at the club, um, but also you organised, and um, so Parkinson. so where did that all um, kind of come to fruition, and do you want to explain uh, what, what the walk was? Uh,
2: not really, but yeah, okay. Um, my dad had parkinson's and he died in 2010 and i started organizing a walk in the village and it's called the pub walk for parkinson's and we walk from well we used to walk from the other side of southwell back to farnsfield stopping in various pubs but now we walk from farnsfield to southwell stopping at various pubs um we've just in march it's always in march first saturday in march and i think it was the 11th one this year oh sorry not this year we Hang on. Yeah, we did. Did we do it? Yeah, we did it the week before lockdown. Yeah. Um, so that was your 11th one this year uh, or 10th one, I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, that's it. But um, as regards events at the club. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just great fun doing it, you know, particularly when you know, it really gets people going. I think we did the first um, what's it called Bavarian night we did. Um, mm which I organized, which I thought, well, we'll do it. You know, we can't do it in October because you couldn't get a band in October. I think we ended up doing it mid-November and it was just cracking and ev- ev- nearly everybody came up. I remember Odd Job. I've probably got some photos on here I could pop up, but, um, but Odd Job was all kitted out and he looked the part and, and um, I've got a great picture of me with uh, Cal Mason and the rabbi and I'm in, in between them. Uh, yeah, it was just brilliant. Really, really good night. That was a, a cracker. But, um, yeah, I mean, the work, I have to say, the work that the club's doing to raise money for Maggie's at the moment, Neil, the current president, is obviously a long-time supporter of Maggie's, and it's great that, um, you know, all the stuff that the club are doing, that walk that the lads did the other week, you know, Phil, uh, I know there was one lad couldn't manage it, but uh, couldn't to finish. But... Uh, but um, but anyway, all those sorts of initiatives, you know, during this time, what what yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant that people are sort of grasping the opportunity to do something for the club, but also for you know a major, majorly important local charity because yeah, you know, everybody needs it at the moment. Charities are already struggling, so I sound a bit over Sorry, these are I know these are normally funny, but
1: you know, I mean, funny is subjective, isn't it, Bob? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean there's a lot of people that listen to me talk on a daily basis and go you're just not funny but I completely
1: do.
0: Um something which oh. I <laughs> something which I uh, I'm amazed about when it comes to charity, especially at Pavia's I mean we're in a well, obviously we know we're in a crap time we would never have started this if we weren't in a in a yeah. difficult situation in the world but the, it sums Pavia's up when people were still donating a lot of money when actually there's some people who don't know where the money is coming from next and they're still willing to give up money. So that is something. And I guess you've, you've probably witnessed that as well, the generosity of Pavia's when you've done
2: your events. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, if it's a difficult subject, this because, you know, you will hear it a number of times where an, an event will get organised and we've got, I don't know what, our membership at the moment is 350 plus or whatever it is. Um, or has been, but, you know, it's always a core of people who support those events, Um, and, you know, it, and that's fair enough, but, um, you know, it would be nice, and I know there's a social group at the moment that are organising different, and and have been trying to organise different events to try and attract different people into the club um you know both existing members but also other people i think we've got to continue to to do that we can't just be having social events for the same 50 people or 60 people on a regular basis um you know they've got they've got to be fundraising social events that attract people outside that group who will always go oh go on then it's a tenor. there's a tenor. um you know i think that, that's the difficult thing and i don't know how you you beat it other than by carrying on introducing new people who of friends with other people within the club but also friends with people outside the club um it's all you know you guys know it's like it's all about word of mouth and just keep talking about it you know your your moustache growing attempts you know i noticed today you know you've been making sure that everybody knows that they can still donate to it and that's mm. that's what sounds a bit
1: harsh though bob i think that's quite a good moustache person. <laughs>
2: That isn't an. <laughs> oh, the glasses are on. Glasses, it's quite bushy that. No, it's bloody good actually. It is good. <laughs> yeah. It looks a bit, yeah, it sort of it is sort of late 70s, early 80s Aussie bowler, isn't it? It's not far. It's not
0: far. Yeah. A few. I've had Charles Bronson. That was one. Wow. Uh, yeah. I've had uh, an 80s adult, adult performer was another one. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. No one would want. I mean, Maybe just this bit. <laughs> the rest of it was not going to get on camera. I don't
1: know. There's, there's people with all sorts of fetishes.
0: I mean, this would be an incredible fetish.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> niche. You're very niche.
0: Niche, <laughs> niche incredible, same definition. Um, and also, a young Steve Peck was one
2: that we got three. Oh, no. But Hang on, he, he, when he was younger, he had hair, though. When he
0: was I mean, your I, I had hair. Yeah, I,
2: but not.
0: I, I mean, Yeah, we'll move on from how follically challenged I am. So I was going to um, (laughs) blow some smoke up your ass for a bit, but we won't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't. So like like we did with players, we also reached out to um, some of your rugby playing generation, some of the peers that you would have had when you were on the pitch, just to to ask for a few words about yourself. Um, Some of these I got quite emotional reading um, but then I'm soft and I've been inside and I'm single and I have been for a long time. But, I mean, there's a few people that we, we spoke to um, and there were some really, really nice words that came back. One of them, um, you mentioned him as your, your, the best player you played with, Molly, Phil, Molly. Um, he said, I'm sorry to see you go, Bob. Um, I will miss you as there was never a dull moment when I was in your company and the club will lose a guy who put his heart and soul into many jobs had, uh, that has filled for the club from President Down to Running the Horns. Good luck in Wales. I hope that you uh, that in the future we will see you again at the Burnstump whenever possible. Not sure who can take on the mantle of Open the Box. Now that was something I know is a passion of yours. It was hinted to on the Instagram and Facebook stories. Mm-hmm. Open the Box. Where has this love come from and why did you never ever present uh, a TV game show? Because I think you would have- Well, oh, been-
2: that's a good question, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I should have been on television. I mean, that goes without saying. But um, but no, funnily enough, the place I'm moving to is where I first saw Open the Box in its format that I use. Oh, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a, a gentleman called Mostyn Davis, who's ex-Chlenethley Front Row in the glory days. And he runs a bar and restaurant in the place we we're moving to. And he uh, was doing that game on a Friday night. We'd been in for dinner in his restaurant and he came out came out, and he said, uh, are you gonna buy a ticket for Open the Box, Bob? And I said, what, what, what are you on about, Mostyn? And he said, just buy a ticket. So I said, okay. So I bought a ticket and ended up being the one that came out of the hat. So I went up and now this was serious. Yeah, it wasn't small amounts of money. The jackpot, I think that night was over 400 quid. And he'd got it up to eleven hundred pounds. He told me at one time. But of course, the more money in the jackpot, the more tickets he sold every week. Um, So you know, he'd get people coming in because it was the same people every week. Not like at at the club where you know we've got opposition and and all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah. Anyway, so I thought it was brilliant, and the crowd loved it. You know, he was. He was. I've I've, I've done nothing new. I've just copied what Mostyn did. So you know, (laughs) what do you think, ladies and gentlemen? You know, in all this business. and uh, yeah, I won. Uh, well, I, 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 he, he offered me. I think it was fifty quid not to open the box, and that was sort I just paid for my dinner for for Jane and I and some friends we were with. So uh, I said I'll take the fifty quid, <laughs> thanks. And that was it. Yeah. So so it was really good. But um, as you go around the clubs as a as a, what did. What what were we called the other week? Hoy no, not Hoi What was it? Nathan called people who go to uh, the, the the sort of officials of the club. What did he call them?
1: Maripoloy. Um, yeah.
2: Something like that. And but anyway, when you when you're lucky enough to get invited to uh, other clubs, you know, in the league and cup, to to go and watch the first team, and you often sit down for meals before. You know, there's equally. Other great things in in other clubs that they do. There was one that um, I was looking at I'm trying to remember who who did it, and it was making absolute fortunes. Which is not ultimately, you know, you do these things as a bit of making money and a bit of entertainment and a bit people to keep keep people in the club for a bit longer. But um, yeah, there's some really good games up there, and I mean nobody needs to keep open the box going because somebody will think of something else. Um, you know, we might have uh, might be uh, some you know someone comes up with something entirely different, and it and it's not a president's role to do that. It's just because I'm a gobshite, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I like and I like getting on the microphone, and that's yeah. that's all it is. You know, it's not a president's role to to come up for, with some game for after the match. You know, anybody could do that. Um, you know, and and people might say, well, to be honest, we're fed up with that. We you know let's do something before the match. Let's do something you know on another occasion. But uh, yeah, I mean it. I've always enjoyed doing it, and, yeah, other than... My
1: my eldest daughter absolutely loves it. Yeah? She absolutely loves it. That's her favourite part of coming up to the Rugby Club. (laughs) But it's preceded normally by Dougie's bit with the the drinking.
2: Yeah, exactly. And she
1: hates that bit. She is terrified of that bit.
2: Really?
1: So she will run out of the room while we're all drinking, um, yeah. Or as she says, putting beer on our heads. She doesn't realise that we drink it first and then put the glass yeah. on her head. She just thinks we pour it all on her head. But she's obviously been watching Jonty. Uh,
2: <laughs> not been
1: drinking. on his yeah. lid.
2: It's a full shampoo when Jonty's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, well, I'm that's stick up for Jonty. <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> the interesting thing, Phil. That, I think that just demonstrates how maybe rugby as a, as a sport has changed, and certainly as an after, you know an apre ski type event has changed because you know that's what happened 30 years ago it was boat races and it was all that sort of thing but that's not the clubhouse environment anymore the clubhouse is you know or certainly our clubhouse and a lot of others you know they are full of little children and wives and they don't want to see a bloke stood on a table with his with his trousers around his ankles well some of them do but um, <laughs> Where's that come um, from? <laughs> well, but, but, you know, that's still it's, it, it does go on still. You know, and I'm not saying there's not a place for it, but um, it's not right for a, a club like ours anymore. You know, if, if we want that sort of thing, let's do it on, a, on another night. Um, you know, we, they don't have to be done on a Saturday.
0: Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. Um, rugby's changed a lot, but there was uh, just running back to open the box quickly that one of the messages that came through via Instagram um, oh, he's nicking it as we go. Um, was, oh, nice. was from uh, uh, Matt Molyneux. And he asked, yeah. What's your favorite heckle on a who is <laughs> on a. Well, when
2: you open the box. <laughs> my, my favorite heckler of all time, and he, he's just a, a, a lovely fella, is Cal Mason. Um, Cal, Cal is just hilarious because he's the one who started the thing with the wig. Um, you know, about that I've supposedly it's got amazing. a wig. Um, and, uh, and sometimes when I've just seen him and he, you know, it's just this ongoing rolling thing that gained <laughs> momentum. And sometimes, you know, I just look over him and, he, and if it's a windy day, he's going, it's going <laughs> like, like that, you know, and it's just, it, it's just priceless. He's got a great sense of humor, Cal. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, not that I'd get upset with that sort of heckling anyway, but it just I'm just in hysterics. He just makes me laugh so much.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen Cal in the last six months. He's he's quite literally half the man he used to be.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, Bobby was telling me and well, I'm not gonna say but I, I was and I was giving him some stick back because you know, when he was giving it about the hair, and I said, Well, at least I'm not as fat as you are. So, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe my Because uh, you break
1: him, Bob. Have you broke him.
2: Well, you know, I'm harsh, you know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know uh, because I know that cows lost weight, and that's why I got the comment that was directed at me at one of the picnics we had at the club. Because yeah, were well, you up, you,
2: you James you, you, May Hair, and Heron, you
0: just rubbed my belly
2: and walked off. And I, I was up, yeah, man, I know what that means. Well, <laughs> to, to be honest, you know, you in our lives we all go through stages of being, you know, a problem weight, yeah, but it, and it, it depends on how long we decide to keep that weight a problem, doesn't it, Tom? It does, and I mean, I don't think eight years is too long, if I'm honest. But, I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) talking about Cal Mason and talking about things other clubs done, Phil, you'll be able to answer. Didn't Cal Mason win a meat
2: raffle?
1: Yes. Yes, something. I can't remember.
0: And there is no one else I know who
2: would would never eat that meat raffle. after
1: It was was the last year we were in um, Midlands 1.
2: It was, was it away? It was away, wasn't
1: it? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. What? I want to say somewhere like...
2: I want to say Kettering.
1: Mm-hmm. No, they... I, th- I think Wellingborough.
2: Yeah, might be blue and white. Are they blue and white?
1: No, they're no. playing red. Oh, well.
2: Um,
1: Wellingborough, or what was one that played at the, the race course?
2: Um, Huntingdon.
1: Huntingdon, it might have been Huntingdon. Uh, yeah, my head.
2: actually,
0: so I remember yeah. getting a text on the way home that he'd been, uh, he'd won a wheat meat raffle. I mean, he is it He won what? A wheat raffle. <laughs> <laughs> he won a wheat raffle. He's all right. He is the only person I know that could uh, pull off and a meat raffle after.
1: It. Oh, he didn't. He didn't flick an eyelid, mate. Uh, Someone I, said meat I, raffle. he was like, yeah, I mean, don't worry about
0: it. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I can see him walk into the coach with a a full. Platter.
1: I can't remember what he won. He won something and I don't think he made it home. I think someone basically Probably. wore it on the way home.
2: Yeah, it was someone and they had a butcher as a sponsor, didn't they?
1: And yeah, they I a, think it was Huntingdon. No, I, that
2: don't kind of, was. Do you not? I don't think it was. No, I think it was, uh, no. No offence to Huntingdon, but I think it was a bigger club than that.
1: <laughs> Brutal. No, Hello but, you know, the
2: clubhouse, the club, <laughs> I meant the clubhouse, sorry, not the club. Oh, right, Because, okay. you know, the Huntingdon <laughs> Club is a tiny, it's quite a small little affair, isn't
1: it?
2: Um, I can't remember. I do course, remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Moving on from cow Sausage, um, one of the other tributes we got for us, per se, was uh, also from Pat Billam, and we, we mentioned some of the stuff you said, um, i'm going to run this and then run into one from neil as well oh
2: can i just stop a moment it, who did the last one i've forgotten um already. chevy no no not the last thing The last trip the last few nice words about me um won oh no Should've yeah yeah and he said from president down to horns yeah that might be the wrong way around i think it should be from president up to horns
0: <laughs> yeah i agree I agree. You know where the, the horns were. Some
2: is. of my some of my greatest moments were in the horns. <laughs> who
0: were your who were your favorite? Just on the horns. Who were your favorite players to play with when you play oh. with after the horns?
2: Cal Mason's dad played in that in the horns. I got him playing. Um, Big Jack, obviously, who obviously uh, you know it's carries amazing. on uh, carries on. But then it was nice where um, we'd get people who I'd coached youngsters who were suddenly back for some reason. And I'm pretty sure it was a Horns game where we were playing at Ilkeston. And I think it was their third and fourths. And I had a call from Kerry Hughes-Parry, who you might not know, but good little lad, who who played and he's moved, moved well away. I think he's living abroad, actually. And he was great mates with Doug Day. And Kerry lived in... Bridgeford, I think, and um, he phoned me up and said, "Oh, I've got another player for today. One of my mates. Is that okay?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, great. That'd be fantastic because we're a bit thin on the ground." And anyway, it turned out to be Doug Day, who was um, up at Manchester, had played Scotland under, under, 18s. under 18s and awesome, he and awesome. I teamed up, teamed up in the centres together, um, and uh, I, I yeah, you know, I, I helped him score four tries, I think. Um, yeah, but that was a that was a, a great memory. Other than a bloke got fed up with it who was playing against me, and he late tackled me and broke one of my ribs. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it was good. But I said to the Ulsterstone boys afterwards, I said, "Good game," but just to let you know, you can all go home and say you played with an international player today. So uh, it is Scotland. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. almost yeah almost proper
0: almost things. international isn't it isn't it isn't it four cuts for scotland equals one cap for england something like that isn't it that's the i think the county
1: cap isn't it
2: <laughs> my opinion. i bet they have to buy their own as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah macron prices it's not expensive though is it
2: hey be careful though we got we've got pat Pat will be on this and doug and we'll be in trouble
0: <laughs> talking about pat uh, his nice words before he heard that comment oh yeah um, <laughs> he finished his, uh, thing, his his little paragraph with Bob has had a massive contribution to the club and has helped steer us to the successful position we found ourselves today like the rest of the club I'll miss his friendly positive engaging personality around the place hopefully he'll make the odd appearance back at the burnt stump um, which I firstly think is, is lovely and is a, a great testament to yourself and um, I hope it's not awkward for you to to listen to things like that, but I know what you'll probably say um, when it comes to this next question. But how do you feel that the club has become? Um, how do you feel you've you've influenced the club become successful? And I know you'll say it's not just you um, that have done that. But what has it been like being in the position you you are what were as president to so now look at the club and go, look where we are.
2: Um, I don't think as president, or my, the way I see president, not everybody will agree the same. I was chairman before, and I think that's much more the the role where you're actually trying to achieve something. Um, I think as president, my focus has purely been on, I want people to be welcomed, to remember Pavia's, to spread the word of Pavia's, and to, you know, help facilitate other people to do the same um i think yeah that's that's the role of president for me um it's not so much a hands-on doing day-to-day stuff um i think that's the only reason i agreed to be president actually so i didn't have to carry on doing the hands you know but the the, the chair the role of chairman is is the more far more pressure um and funnily enough i will can i tell a little story here if we've got time um, literally yeah I think I was in my second year of chairman and a player and I honestly can't remember who it was, but it was a player. They weren't a first team player, but they were a a regular, regular player came up to me, said, so you're chairman, Bob. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he goes, so what's that worth a year? And I said, what what?" "What do you mean? And he said, what do you get for being chairman? I said, Are you serious? You know, and I think, you know, and it's and it's strange, really, that I know we we talk about um, how money is or isn't involved, you know, um, in the sport. And, you know, it's quite strange that somebody who's actively playing the sport thinks that the officials within the club might be getting some remuneration. Now, um, you know, I'll, I'll say it every year, but as far as I know, most of the officials pay their subs every year and get very little enjoyment from that, other than watching a team, you know, on the Saturday. Whereas the people who are actually getting all the benefit from it, they're the people we struggle to, not all of them, but sometimes they're the people that we struggle to get the membership from. And really, everything that's been that's done is not for the benefit of the officials, it's done for the benefit of the players. And, you know, I think that's a, a message that some people say, oh, God, you know, We've heard that again, but I think it's an important message that um, being a member of the club is not about playing rugby. It's being a member of Pavia's and being proud to be Pavia's. You know, and you can look at uh, Jim Dickinson, my mate, who's out in Dubai. He pays his membership every year. Um, I don't think he ever played rugby properly. He was a good coach, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he 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 doesn't he doesn't view it as anything other than. I'm supporting the club that I'm a part of, that I feel a part of. Um, you know, and there's a lot of those types of clubs in life where, you know, it's a, it's a membership fee. You know, it's not a playing fee or a taking part fee. Um, you know, it's to be a member of that club. And I think it's important to reiterate it. Sorry about that, it's a bit boring, but...
1: No, no. I think that's quite, quite a valid point, I think, you know, especially at times like these where, yeah, you know at the moment the lads aren't getting any benefit out of it because we're not allowed to do it. But be part of a club, and when the club needs you at this point, rather than the other way around, um, I think it's quite a valid point to make.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And uh, yeah, you know, you save on the beer, don't you? That's the way I've looked at it. You know, I paid my membership the other week, and I thought, well, you know, I'm go- I know it, I'm not paying at exactly the same level as the players. Um, but you know, I'm not spent I'm not. Out there spending beer money on beer every week, so uh, you know, it's a small, just <laughs> small price to pay. So
1: you're actually making a profit. <laughs> I
2: was going to say, start a minute. <laughs> you it? pay your subs. Quite <laughs> it's in at the moment. <laughs> it's worth. It's worth. it.
1: Um, newsflash. Yes. Um, one one of your sons that I'm in communication with. Yes. Has has asked me uh, to ask you about the bearded dragon in Belgium.
2: What? The bearded no. in Belgium. I mean,
1: do you know? Have you any Belgium.
2: clue what that means? Because I have no idea. I mean, he's
1: your son. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I've got a lot of them. I get a bit confused. Um, bearded, bearded dragon. Is that something to do with beer? No.
1: Um, I, I'm literally. What I've read out is what I've got. Or. Or
2: is it from Simon? No. Bobby? Yes. Bearded dragon in Belgium. I don't think I've ever been to Belgium. Well, I'll ask Bobby what his real name was. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What is Bobby's real name? (laughs) We got nothing off that, have we, Phil? Sorry about that. I'm I'm sorry sorry. if I if I had a good story for it. The, The only thing that sort of sticking to mind is a holiday that we were on the way back. But no, we were still in France for that and we drank a lot of Belgian beer one night. So Simon um, had a lot of Euros left.
1: Another another question that's come in from yes. from from another son.
2: Oh god.
1: Is um you've got a good story about walking home with Rob Pickersgill.
2: No, yes, I do remember that one. <laughs> now this is a good one. We back in the days where we didn't have um paid staff to run the bar it was down to so this is in your dad's day um phil that um we used to put our names on a rotor so two saturdays a season we had to do bar duty after matches and you had an early bar and a late bar and rob and i obviously we lived about 100 yards apart from each other in Farnsfield. um and we most it must have been that little spell i was in the seconds because uh Obviously, Rob was captain of the second and um, we got back to the club. And the uh, the lad sort of said, "Good job you're back. You know, you're on the late bar, which we'd forgotten about." Both of us had young children at the time, so we worked the bar. And typically, you know, the bar we're not a late bar, are we, at Um Well, we it used to be. It way.
1: used to be at times.
2: Yeah, but it, I think there'd only been there'd only been one game at home. But there was there was a few people about, so we kept the bar open for a while. But nobody seemed to want to go home. We were having a good time and carrying on. And I think maybe some of the other second team came back. And anyway, we were drinking. And after a while, this was before pre mobile phones, and there was a phone behind the bar. And I said um, to Rob, I said, "What are we going to do about getting home? Because I think we've been dropped off by one of the wives." And um, He said, oh, Bev will do it, Bev will do it. Don't worry, don't worry. So he carried on for a bit while. I said, don't you think you ought to phone Bev? So he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he picked up and said, hello, Bev. Yeah, can you come and pick us up? Okay, okay. (laughs) Puts the phone down. Uh, (laughs) So he'd been been chewed out a bit. So I said, "Um, well, I'll, I'll give Jane a try. So I phoned Jane and Jane said something along the lines of, do you want me to get Simon and Bobby out of bed? to come and pick you you up, you and Rob up, you know, from, from Pavia's. No, no, it's all right then, don't worry, don't worry. Now, I used to hitchhike quite a bit in my youth, not long distances, but, you know, in and around uh, Newmarket and Cambridgeshire and whatever. And um, so I said to Rob, don't worry, mate, we'll be all right hitching. I, I, you know, I used to hitch a lot, no problem, especially with kit bags. We'll get some rugby, they'll pick us up. Anyway, suffice to say that we walked all the way back to Farnsfield, um, but I mean, it's not like, horrendous. It was pitch. It was absolutely, it was like February or something. It was pitch. Oh, back. yeah, that'll be cold. Yeah, and yeah then before, be nice you know, all these ditches that they dig, par- um, not parallel, whatever it adjacent is it to the, Adjacent yeah. to the road. And so we were dropping into those. And I remember Rob saying, you are the most, because I was hitching all the way, and he said, you are the most optimistic man I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Every time a car came, you know, out went the thumb. Um, and... The worst thing was we got to, into the village and we were probably about 200 yards from Rob's house and we were coming around the back way down a lane. And uh, Rob said, oh, I think I've just seen Jane's car driving across down the road. And of course, Jane got worried about us because um, it was like two, two and a half hours later. Oh, no. So she actually set off and of course I couldn't phone her uh because no mobiles mm. so she got the kids out of bed driven driven to the club realized it was all locked up and drove home again um to find me obviously by this time probably dozing on the settee we were sober by the time we got home so, yeah. oh it's a good story well done babby very good oh, story oh that's bad yeah. That hurts.
1: That makes my like, no. testicles shrink just thinking yeah. about it.
2: Yeah, it's... um, Yeah, it, it, was, it was a difficult one to overcome, shall we say. <laughs> oh, that's a bad one. That is a bad some, one. Some garage flowers didn't do the trick.
1: <laughs> no. I bet that was pre-co-op as well in Farnsfield, so you were struggling to find some way to get some...
2: Oh, no, we had a co-op, but it's not in the same yeah, place it was.
1: Like yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Um, the last... Uh, Tribute from a, a peer of yours that we're gonna we're gonna um, talk about today was from the next president Neil. Um, president, the pre the current president. Current, current. I don't know where we are in the the Passover. I, I, I imagine it's not as uh, rocky as the Trump to Biden. I hope it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I,
2: was I, I, was. I
0: was desperate to get out. So are you <laughs> you were desperate to go. Uh, yeah. Or we won't talk politics. Um, <laughs> Neil said, you're a wonderful club man, Bleeds green and red, Been done. Uh, you've done everything for the club. You're a genuinely lovely guy, the heart and soul of the rugby club. The whole point of rugby is it is first and foremost a state of mind and a spirit, and Bob epitomizes the spirit of Pavias. Follow, following him as president is like following Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United, like <laughs> Warren Gatland at, with Wales, like the Duke of Edinburgh following the Queen, or coming on stage after the Beatles have performed, at least he's going
2: to the right country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a typical Welshman. He knows how to deliver you know, powerful emotions, doesn't he? But, I mean, that's that's very that's very kind of him. But um, I think he's a, he's a fantastic president to um, to have for the club. I mean, again. Some of the things that you've talked about this evening about charitable stuff and organising events. You know, that's what Neil's done for many, many years, as well as being a teacher um, you know, for, for his career. So he, he's got um, he's got far better qualities than I have to be a president. Um, the only drawback that might hold him back a bit, a bit like the issues I've had with Bobby, you know, he's got half. So, um, you know, that might just just pull him back a bit, you know. Hold him yeah. down, shall we say.
0: That must be any, any yeah. I can't say anything because I agree. Uh, <laughs> you, Bobby, as uh, Neil's got. Oh. Um, yeah. Phil, do you want to move on to rugby memories? I'll let you pick again this week.
1: Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, so, Bob, what is your worst rugby memory?
2: Um, I'm going to say something that really is... Not necessarily rugby, but it was related to the, my time at coaching at Pavia's, and that was when. Um, and you guys, Tom, you won't know him at all, but one of the lads that um, we coached from a mini unfortunately died in a car accident when he was 17, and um, that was just ah, oh, I got incredible, I just couldn't. Struggled to cope with that, um, you know, I'd known him since he was a little boy, his parents, obviously, you know, had very difficult time with that. And then we went to the funeral and um, unbeknown to all the paviers that was in there, it was in Southern Minster. Um, the coffin came in and paviers written down, paviers written at RFC written down the side and it was in red and green. And um, I don't think there was a pavior in there who didn't start crying. I know I did. Um, you know, and that that was without doubt the worst situation that I've ever experienced to do with rugby, um, connected to rugby, um, or connected to my time at PAVS. But on a on a on a on a lesser note, let's think of something a bit more jolly than that. But um, breaking my ankle, breaking my ankle, you know, making my second, getting into the second team, establishing myself, and for Doctor Doctor Alex McDonald, who was on the pitch, telling me it was sprained. Well. Um, So, if you speak to Ollie, I've forgotten it. I play with him a lot. Ollie, somewhat, I can't remember what
0: his surname certainly, but he broke his ankle, and we were away. We were away, and uh, Alex, Alex, Alex comes over, and he goes, he starts feeling his knee. Your knee, knee feels all right. He went, it's my
2: ankle which is broken, not my knee. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think he's. I mean, he's a GP, but he, yeah, I don't think ankles are his strong suit. Obviously, below um, the waist. So, but but he was another bloke I'd brought to the club from Farnsfield, and believe you me, I never let him forget it.
1: <laughs> what about you?
0: That's say. Okay, so, well, you um, Tyler totally So, what is your? I mean, you may have a lot over your time in rugby, but what is your favourite and best rugby moment?
2: Um. I'm not going to say the obvious. I mean, the, the thing that happened at the you know, end of when we were last playing, I'm not going to mention that because that, that's obvious. Um, I think one of the best things, and it's not a one-off occasion, but, and again, it's not playing because I, you know, I was never a good player. I haven't got good stories about, you know, like when you talk to Phil and he says he played against, but did he play against JJ William? No, Phil Bennett, didn't he? You know, and things like that. I'd love to have those stories, but I haven't got those. But I think, um, and I've said this to many, many minis and junior coaches along the way, that the point of being a a mini and junior coach and the objective is not to be the winning team at under 11s or the under, under 12s or 14s and be the best team in the three counties. That's nice if that happens along the way, but the objective is that you can turn out players to play rugby for the rest of their life. And the proudest thing for me The disappointment is there's not more of them, but, you know, Bobby, John T and Will Crosley all becoming regular first team players. And they were in that group with the gym, particularly as head coach, but me hopefully did a bit as well, you know, help them come all the way through. And it's great to, you know, any coach, any minion junior coach listening to this stood on that balcony and watching somebody play. And I don't care whether it's the first or the second team or the third team or the fourth team, if we ever get a fourth team again. But knowing that you've helped them on their way to playing adult rugby and that hopefully they're going to play it, you know, um, God willing, for the next 20, 25 years, that's the best. That For me, that's been the best thing as a coach. Um, you know, as a million junior, I've never been an adult coach and I never aspire to be. Um, but that's, that's just great. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about the... Uh... The way we've set up minis and juniors and perbs and stuff, and we can just look at the first team now and over the last kind of decade, I guess, and okay? go, well, a lot of that came from you guys in the minis and the juniors' creation So it is a, it's definitely something that um, that the, the club can be thankful for and realizes that is a good element. Is a good element. So, um, just before you go, is there anything you would like to say? Because I know we don't normally do this, um, but obviously. Like you said, you're off to Pembrokeshire and and you're not going to be around as much. Um, is there anything you want to, to say to Pavs about Pavs before we uh, we let you go? Yes,
2: please. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good. I mean, I'd like to. Um, it's been a joy, to, and I'm, you know, this sounds like I'm going forever, but I'm not. But you know, it is great. I mean, I've enjoyed most of most of my time at, at Pavs, and uh, you know, I I think for the future of Pavs, it's looking pretty good, the more that, and again, changing it around a bit, but I'd like to say well done to you two, other guys, you know, George is doing a lot more, uh, Ollie Collingham, you know, various people, you know, people like Claire Rain coming on board, you know, new people who, who haven't been at the club for years and years and years, who are, who are wanting to put their time in and, and make the club a better place, and well, we've got those people coming through, and we've got People like the Phil's and the Pats and Graham to, uh, and sorry for anybody else I'm missing here. I'm going to say Dwayne as well, because I forgot him once on something. Um, but, you know, the work that Dwayne does unsung, you know, in the clubhouse, it's, it's you know, and, and all this work that these people do that really none of them, none of them want a great deal of praise for it it's reward enough just seeing what's how the clubs are getting better and improving and looking better and how you know teams are happier and people are happier um, you know and for me that's that's what makes a successful club it's it's nothing to do with uh, whoever the president is or the chairman or the board it's it's everybody involved and when I say involved it's not people who come up and say what should be done it's the people who come up and say have you thought about doing this can I help you do it um, and they're, they're the people that all clubs need. And thankfully mm. at the moment, you know, we seem to be having people who are coming up with fresh ideas and actually wanting to, to put their time into it, not to tell other people what they should do. Um, Cause that's easy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it's, a, it's an exciting club to be
2: at for that reason. It is, it is. And, and, and I have to say, if I may say this, Tom, you remind me a bit of me when, when I joined the club, um, because I'd come from somewhere else. Okay, at least I had a girlfriend. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I was, I, was int- I was introduced to the, how old are you, Tom? 26. Yeah, so he's similar age to me. Came to the area, was int- lucky enough to get introduced to the club, and it is often a fine line. Mm. And, you know, you've, you've thrown yourself into it. You know, you, you'll upset people along the way, you know, because you might say, well, I, I want to do this. I and someone might tell you, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Just keep persevering because it is new ideas and it's revisiting old ideas sometimes that get things done. And, you know, I'm not saying I've done a huge amount, but it is not necessarily always the same people doing the same things who move the club forward. Mm. They keep the club going, but it's, it's, it's the new blood that often moves it forward. So well done to you and Phil. Sorry, I'm not, but you know you played for Nottingham. So what else do you need? I'm
1: just i here for the ride, aren't I, Bob? Just here yeah. for the ride.
2: <laughs>
1: Phil is my uh, prototype. Yeah, you
2: played you played for Nottingham. You have had an illustrious career. Uh, <laughs>
1: of course, a short and, uh, illustrious career.
2: Yeah, and I'm and I'm
0: uh, one of the fittest forwards in the, the teams I play against. Which says a lot. No,
1: sorry,
2: fattest fat forwards. One of the fittest forwards <laughs> I. Fattest, Fittest. Oh, sorry. Can it's I just, just say for the,
1: for the record that Tom texted me earlier and asked me what fitness app I use to control my weight.
2: <laughs> yeah? And what did you say, stop eating? <laughs>
1: well, no, I, I do actually have to use an app now. <laughs> okay.
2: But, I mean, before
0: before I, I say the last things, Bob, you've worked in, uh, I was going to say boozy sales, but alcohol sales and you've worked in alcohol and whatever and distribution of. Is it true... If there's no bubbles in alcohol, there's no calories.
2: To be honest, I don't know whether you know. I mean, this is a very fine cognac that I happen to be. I we actually put it through a calorie reducing machine. So oh. it, it takes out it takes out calories. So virtually, just by drinking that, you're losing weight.
0: Well, you'll have to send me a bottle. Um, note,
2: Bob, would you like to do a taste before we let you go? I would. Well, here, yeah. A toast to, oh, I've always said, once a Pavia, always a Pavia. So a toast to all Pavia's, old and new, and wherever they are in the world.
0: Yes, cheers. 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 Bob, we love you. We're gonna miss you a lot. Um, stay in contact. Thank you very much for coming on. And yeah, a pleasure. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll see you soon, but have, uh, have a, a lovely Christmas, cause we can say that now, it's <laughs> the way. And yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks a lot, chaps. See you soon. Thank hey, you, Bob. So that was Bob Senior. Very good podcast.
1: Yeah, good. Lots of information out of Bob as always. Happy. Uh, never seen the man upset actually.
0: No, I, I thought some of the uh, the comments made by others were going to get a bit of a, a tear in the eye. Um, but Nothing. Man is a robot. Absolutely yeah. robot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a man of many, many wigs and very few emotions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good to have him on. And uh, it was it was nice to have a toast at the end. I thought it was fitting. Classy,
1: classy move from Bob yet again.
0: Extremely classy, extremely classy. Um, what people didn't see was, before we started recording, Phil and I both thought we'd take wine um, with us to the podcast. And... Phil, you were very proud with your wine selection, weren't you?
1: I spent good money on it.
0: Yeah, I know. I think
1: it the- was about nine quid.
0: Yeah. What were what were Bob's words?
1: That shit, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, that shit. Unless you like it, because he saw your face, drop. <laughs> I think I I think I spent six pound of mine and got a oh that's all right and I was like, oh, I'm fine with that. A disgrace <laughs> and yeah with my plate of cheese next to me and I realised it's quite hard to edit me out uh, while I'm just scoffing my face with cheese so uh, I do apologise for anyone who has now ill considering they've seen me eat a plate of cheese um, so back to rugby training
1: yes now we're out of uh, lockdown 2.0 and into tier 3 2.0 Um. Oh. For some reason, we can start rugby training again because, you know, COVID knows. Um, so, yes, next Thursday night, we believe we're going to be training uh, from 7.30 again. Um, there probably won't be, obviously, the clubhouse open. Well, the change rooms definitely won't be open and the, and the clubhouse probably won't be open either. Um, so it will just be a case of training, again, some air back in the lungs because we are getting... Um, a bit of information through from NLD that we might be playing some form of rugby in the new year, sooner than maybe we expected. So need to get back. A lot of lads might need to get fit. Uh, not looking at anyone in particular, Thomas. And uh, yes, work our way back to a position where we are ready to play some games.
0: Yeah, looking forward to the prospect of playing again. Um, i'm hoping this is not just a carrot dangle and then a a quick i don't want to be ghosted again basically by the nld i don't want to be told that something might happen and then get ignored and that happens to me enough anyway let alone with rugby um so no that would be good it'd be good to get the lads back up and running around and doing what we can do uh depending on what we are told um so yeah so that'd be good um also for those like me who like to live in loungy sport where can buy a new stash
1: we have the uh the online shop is open obviously the club shop is not open but the online shop is open uh for the new kit from player layer um the link will be below apparently okay. according to tom um so Next yeah go get your year. new go get your new <laughs> gears Yeah, Yeah. even ask Santa Claus,
0: if you'd like to ask Santa Claus for some stash.
1: Hannah always likes playing Pavia's gear. That's why we play in red and green. Yes, because they are... Because Santa used to be green. I just can't find that for anyone. And Bobby Ratcliffe, Bobby Jr.,
0: will tell you it was Coca-Cola which turned in red. Well, that's... Facts. Facts for you and a little promo for Bobby if you want some bottles of Coke. Um... Yeah, so that's cool. Get on that. Maybe one day when uh, we're big, bigger than we are now because we are established podcasts. You're pretty big. I mean, I've been big for a long time. (laughs) We might be able to go PazPod for a 10% discount in the promo code, but we don't know. We'll have chats. Um, Phil, you know what time it is. Have you got any wise words?
1: Well, actually, no, I haven't. So let's just wrap it up there.
0: I got excited. Um, Yeah, let's
1: wrap it up. In a bit, Phil. Bye.